All right. What do we know about Barabbas? He was. He's a bad dude. Bad man. Don't have a lot of uh, discussion about him, but the background that sort of informs our understanding of his story is extensive. And so uh, if you'll just let me fly a little bit tonight, stop me if you have uh, a question. Four primary scriptures that we're talking about. Matthew 27, 11 through 23. Mark 15, 1 through 15. Luke 23, 1 through 25. And John 18, 28 through 40. Now, kind of a, a, a first thing, the title of or the theme of the sermon on Sunday is Mercy Undeserved. And we've said in here before that mercy is always undeserved, that the definition of grace is that we get something that we don't deserve. And the definition of mercy is that we don't get something that we do deserve. And so when we talk about mercy, and especially the, the undeserved mercy of the cross, uh, it's, um, it, it's a, a, pretty, um, a pretty heavy topic because um, we know that Barabbas became the like the object lesson for mercy, right? Um, I can say this on Wednesday night because you guys know the Bible well enough, but Barabbas was the one who was spared in the place of Jesus. So Jesus literally gave his life to save Barabbas. That was proud. Say it again. Didn't um, forget the crowd. Didn't they say, who should we release? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll get to that. But uh, but at the end of the day, Jesus died and Barabbas didn't. Um, so we, we have a lot that we have to kind of dig into. There were, after we left Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was taken to the house of Annas, who was the former high priest. So the first of the Jewish trials was Annas. And uh, that's recorded in all uh, four of the Gospels. Um, you, um, the, um, Annas was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was the current high priest. So he, Jesus left Gethsemane in handcuffs or whatever. The disciples all fled. The processional goes across the Kidron Valley into the city of Jerusalem, likely to the home of Annas, who was the high priest, the ex-high priest. Now, Annas may have been at Caiaphas's house. It's a little unclear whether it was two separate locations, but there were definitely two 
uh, trials, so to speak. Uh, he was taken for an informal hearing <clears throat> before uh, Annas, and Annas was sort of the hand in the puppet. Uh, he still had a lot of, um, of power that he exercised through his son-in-law, who was the current high priest. And so he was taken to Annas, and then he was taken to Caiaphas, and then the scripture tells us that the whole council eventually joined them at the house of Caiaphas. Now, if you have been to Israel with us, you have been to the place that we think this took, that this was. It's a, it's a, a church, a chapel on the, the top floor, and then a dungeon on the bottom floor that's uh, quite graphic to the imagination. And then there's a courtyard immediately outside of Caiaphas's house, which is where the charcoal fire was built and likely where Peter denied Christ. The fact that John wrote about this as well, and John had a, a few details that the others didn't, we assume that both John and Peter gained access to the court of Caiaphas's house. And that while they were there, Caiaphas was uh, uh, doing the Inquisition and to some degree torture of Jesus, while Peter and likely John were waiting outside. And point out that there was a trough there for the blood. To yeah, the, uh, the, yeah, everybody's house needs a, a torture chamber in the basement. But, With uh, a trough so the blood won't. Yeah, the, the there was a, a runoff trough for the blood. We will see that when we go back to Israel. So the deal is that Caiaphas's house was the scene of the majority of the, 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 the mockery of a trial. And then we won't go into that. All the reasons that trial was not okay. It, it unfolded as God intended for it to unfold. So that's, that's all we, we really need to know. Um, John may have been able to hear what was going on inside because he wrote about it in detail. And, uh, and so after the trial with Annas, the trial with Caiaphas, the whole council, likely not the whole Sanhedrin, but a quorum of some kind, um, probably didn't have the whole Sanhedrin together until uh, they were, had him in front of Pilate for the first time. So as day breaks, this would have been Friday morning, uh, the rooster crowed. Uh, Jesus was led away. The rooster crowed. Peter realized what he had done. So this is daybreak on Friday morning. Uh, they go to Pilate. I, I doubt if it was real early. The Roman governor would have had no reason to get out of bed. Now, I want you to stay with me for just a second here. As we read Pilate's story, you are tempted as a reader of the Gospels to assume that Pilate was a little indecisive. Maybe he was weak. He was anything but that. There were a lot of things that were going on, but Pilate was cruel. He was ruthless. Uh, there was a time when there was a, a mob that formed outside of his house, and he had his soldiers put on street clothes 
and circulate through the, the mob. And every time somebody spoke up, they were beaten to death. Uh, so Pilate was not a, a pushover. And sometimes the Gospels <laughs> give us the idea that he was indecisive, but there were a lot of dynamics. He feared mob unrest because he, the, the thing that Pilate treasured the most was his position. He was the governor of Judea. He was a Roman. Herod, who we're going to meet in a minute, was the Jewish-ish, sort of the puppet king of all of Galilee. So Pilate was the, 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 the Roman governor. If there was a disturbance, Pilate was blamed. As a matter of fact, the, the, the history or the legend says that Pilate was summoned back to uh, Rome about 10 years after all of this takes place where he was sort of put out to pasture because he couldn't keep the, uh, the peace in uh, Judea. I won't go into this. Uh, John, you can do this later. If, if you look at a, um, a topic called the Jewish Wars, there were two major revolts of the Jews against the Romans. Uh, one of them took place in about 66 AD, and the other one about 100 years later. 66 AD uh, was when the, uh, the Jewish people were uh, fed up with some of the symbolic gestures of Pilate and others. At one time, Pilate um, uh, brought uh, the gilded Roman crests in and decorated Jerusalem with them. And that was uh, against what the Romans had said they would do in return for peace. And even Tiberius, who was the emperor at the time, had to uh, send Pilate an email and say, stop with the nonsense. And so the revolt in 66, long after all this, this is 33. So the revolt 30 years later um, was so violent that that's where we get the Jewish suicide at Masada. That's where we get the... Um, the town of Sepphoris becoming the home of the Roman 10th Legion. Uh, at one time, Vespasian, who was the emperor or the military commander at the time, had 60,000 troops that he just pillaged. And of course, in 70 AD, the uh, temple in Jerusalem was destroyed and Jerusalem itself was um, sacked and burned. So, I, I say that because I wonder about the motivation of the people that clamored for the release of Barabbas. So file that away for a second. I'll get to it in a minute. So let me read just one of the accounts. I'm going to read the one from um, Matthew. Matthew 27, verse 11. Matthew 27, verse 11. So the, Rome, the Jewish trials have been concluded. They have pronounced him guilty and uh, sentenced him to death. The Jewish people cannot carry out a death, death sentence, so they have to appeal to Pilate, and here they are. Now Jesus stood before the governor, 
and the governor asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Now, that would have been the incendiary remark because a king uh, would usurp a Caesar, and the only, uh, the only way the Jews could convince Pilate to put him to death was to convince him of treason. Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus said, you have said so. But when he was accused by the chief priests and elders, he gave no answer. Then Pilate said to him, do you not hear how many things they testify against you? But he gave no answer, not even to a single charge. And the governor was greatly amazed. We, we don't get the idea that Pilate is ticked off. He's just watching a, a pretty wise prisoner. Then it gives us a detail in Matthew. Now at the feast, the governor was accustomed to release for the crowd any one prisoner whom they wanted. There's a whole side trip we could take under a, a category called the Passover pardon. It was a little bit in dispute as to whether this was something that Pilate came up with to appease the Jews, or if it was something that was a Jewish custom and Pilate honored it just to keep the peace. Or maybe it didn't exist at all. The, the Gospels are the only ones that speak of this practice, although there were other instances where uh, a ruler, a president, a king, a potentate hardened a prisoner uh, for a festival day. So Passover, one prisoner gets to be free. If Pilate is really conflicted about putting Jesus to death, and I don't, I don't have any reason to believe that Pilate would have any reservations about putting somebody to death. He did it all the time. But in this case, he was concerned for a number of reasons. One, there was a large crowd of people that had gathered in Jerusalem for the Passover because Jesus was there. We think that's why the trial was done at night, to keep away from the crowds. Secondly, Pilate's wife had had a dream. Don't have anything to do with this guy. Um, I forget who, uh, which of the, the gospel writers tells us about the dream. Um, Matthew, only Matthew tells us about Pilate's wife. Um, and she became a celebrity in her own right later on because they, uh, the, the, the later writers fictionalized her participation and she actually became a saint in the Orthodox Church. But um, so the large crowd, the mob, Fear of riots. That's that's one reason Pilate might have observed the Paschal or the, the Passover party. Secondly, the dream that his wife had. Thirdly, he really believed that Jesus was innocent. And he 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 wasn't innocent of anything Jewish, but Pilate didn't care about the Jewish stuff. He only cared. If he was going to put to death a guy who had committed treason against Rome, and he didn't believe that he had. Just to make sure, Pilate realizes, wait a minute, I might not have to make this decision. So he sends him to Herod. Now, only Luke tells us about Herod. 
Only Luke tells us about the trial before Herod. Herod was an Idumean. Anybody remember that? Idumean is a transliteration from the word Edom. An Edomumean. And Edom was the lineage of Esau. If you remember, if you've ever been to Petra, uh, that is the home of the Edomians or the, the Edomites. The book of Obadiah speaks of the Edomites. So, Herod. Edomites is a lot easier to say, by the way. Than Edomian? Well, it was sort of a transliteration of Judea and Edom. So, anyway, Herod is the tetrarch of. Now, this would have been Herod Antipas. Herod the Great died. About 4 BC, or right, right around the slaughter of the innocents that uh, we read about in the birth narratives. But uh, Herod Antipas was his son, and uh, he, uh, he had enough Jewish in him to where he was fascinated with the miracles Jesus had been doing, and he wanted to do a, a little miracle for him. If you remember the, the, uh, musical Jesus Christ Superstar, uh, in that scene, Herod says, walk across my swimming pool and uh, to try to force Jesus to do miracles. Jesus didn't talk and he didn't do miracles. And so Herod sent him back to Pilate. And that's where the, the, the whole story of Barabbas is pretty much in Pilate number two. So Pilate, then Herod, then Pilate again, and then to the cross. So Pilate is uh, not exactly uh, encouraged. He had hoped that Herod would end the case. Um, Herod only mocked and brutalized Jesus. He didn't, he didn't make any decisions. And so uh, in Luke's version, chapter 23, verse 13, Pilate then called together the chief priests and the rulers of the people. This likely would have been most of the Sanhedrin. Um, and he says, you brought me this man as one who was misleading the people. After examining him before you, I, I don't find him guilty. Neither did Herod. He sent him back to me. Nothing deserving of death has been done by him. I will flog him and release him. Flogging was cheap. Just flog the guy and turn him loose. The crowd erupted so violently that Pilate had to recant. Now, a lot has been made of the difference in the attitude of the crowd on Palm Sunday and on this day. Anybody got any thoughts? I wonder how much the crowd was seated with the religious leaders that wanted him dead to begin with. And you go back to uh, coming in with the palms waving and all that stuff. People like a party. I mean, you got them all lined up and all of a sudden that's contagious. So more and more people, they might not even know what's going on. And they're lining up just doing it anyway. Yeah, I think that's part of it. He was not the kind of ruler they were looking for. I think that's a lot. 
Uh, and then now, now we go back to um, the Jewish wars, right? The whole thing was Messiah is supposed to kick the Romans out. And we think that might have been Judas's motivation. When he, when he saw that Jesus wasn't going to summon angels and the power of God and do miracles and kick the Romans out, he killed himself. He, he he regretted what he had done. He was, I believe, he was trying to force Jesus' hand. So, George, I think you're right, but I don't think that's the whole story. You know how the, the Jewish people were very um, uh, stratified as to who got to go where. They would never go in a Gentile's house. The women could only come so far in the temple. Well, all of those people who were adoring Jesus on the road into Jerusalem, it's highly unlikely they would have been let into Herod's palace where the trial before Pilate took place. Not only did the Jewish leaders circulate among the crowd, they only let in the people that were favorable to their ideas. And so we, we're stunned with how can you go from Hosanna, King of Kings, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, to crucify him. And we, we've always been stunned at how quickly that, that tone changed. But we shouldn't be so surprised because the Jewish leaders made sure they had favorable voices in the crowd. Uh, the people themselves were becoming disappointed that he wasn't acting like a revolutionary. Oh, wait a minute. What is one of the things that the scripture tells us about Barabbas? He is a robber. He is notorious. He is a murderer. He is a revolutionary. So he is in a Roman jail because he tried to usurp the Roman government. And it is stunning to me that Pilate would let this guy go. But the crowd was insistent. And so he uh, uh, turned Barabbas loose and sent Jesus to be crucified. So where am I trying to go on Sunday? I won't get a chance to talk much about the Passover party. So that's that's commentary for you guys. That. That was, uh, uh, it, it developed a, a thought pattern of its own. Um, but, um, and I probably won't have time Sunday to point out that in the NIV translation in Matthew, it calls Barabbas Jesus Barabbas. Jesus was a common name, uh, but. Bar in Hebrew means son, so Bar Abbas would be son of the father. And it's, uh, it's an ironic comparison, and, and some of the manuscripts don't have that, but the NIV uh, brought that into their translation, um, that the son of God was crucified and the son of the father was free. So, um, and then of course, 
all of this has been fictionalized to the point of silliness. Uh, one uh, later corrupted gospel in about the third century suggested that Barabbas was Jesus' the son and, um, and that he sacrificed himself for his son. But uh, that's, of course, nonsense. But we only have a few verses about Barabbas. But what we do know is that he is the, the first person that Jesus died. That he is the first person who died in the place of a sinner. And we don't know what he did with it. Again, there have been movies made, uh, fantasy stories done about what happened to Barabbas afterwards. We have no idea. Did he, did he fall on his face in gratitude? I don't know. Did he just return to his insurrectionist ways with a smug attitude? Did he join the Jewish wars 30 years later? We don't know. We know that he was offered first. We don't know what he did. And I think that's the question for all of us. You were talking, I think, last week about, you know, it seems like if he had turned to Christ, there would have been mentioned that in the transcript. Yeah, and uh, I don't know if you heard uh, Nancy, she said if he had turned to Christ, then likely there would have been mention of it in a later uh, manuscript. By the same token, if it feels like the gospel writers are mocking Pilate just a little bit, keep in mind they wrote this long after he was gone. <laughs> but, that they, they wrote their thoughts long after these events took place. And so uh, there, there might not have been as much of a danger when they wrote their gospels of making the Roman governor appear indecisively weak. All right. Well, we got a lot to do on Sunday and uh, it'll be lots and lots of fun.